Welcome to Meet Your New New York City Council. I'm Jim Carney, Professor of Journalism and Media Studies at Lehman College. This is a series of interviews designed to introduce the people of the Bronx to their returning and incoming New York City Council members. This series is produced by the Journalism and Media Studies Department at Lehman College, City University of New York, in conjunction with City Limits. It includes a series of interviews done by journalism students with the council members themselves. We continue our conversations moving on to District 15, which represents Fordham, Bedford Park, Belmont, East Tremont, and other areas of the Central Bronx. It's represented by Oswald Felice, and he spoke to journalism students. Today we have a special guest, Oswald Felix, uh, the new New York um, member at District 15, Bronx, New York. Thank you so much for accepting this invitation. Honored to be a part of it. Thank you for the invitation. Oswald Felix, he's representing District 15. He's a lawyer who defends Tenax lender harassment, also a college professor of political science at Houston Community College, and he's from Dominican Republic. Since you won the election, what is your top three uh, priorities to help uh, to help District 15? Yeah, my number one priority is improving education in the district and in the Bronx. Uh, unfortunately, many of our schools in our district, but especially in the Bronx and in many core districts in, in the city in general, they're underfunded and many of these schools don't have the tools to prepare kids for the future. So we're working tirelessly to make sure that every school has the tools to be able to prepare our children to achieve their highest potential. That includes making sure they have the proper technology, they have smaller class sizes so that children could get the attention that they need. Also, they have a building that looks suitable for study. So for example, I have a lot of, I've had a lot of school visits and I visited their playgrounds and you know, they, they, some of them have looked neglected. Um, that has big impact when it comes to the psychological impact of uh, these students while growing up in these neighborhoods and attending these schools. So education is my number one priority. My second priority is improving safety in the district. Uh, safety is the biggest issue today in the, in the entire city, but especially in this district. So we're working with our uh, police department, but also working to improve opportunity in the district. So the third priority is just improving general quality of life. This includes making sure that the sanitation is picking up the garbage as they should. Um, You know, no neighborhood should have piles of garbage. Um, And yeah, every New Yorker deserves clean neighborhood, so we're working very closely with our sanitation department. What do you think about public school system, specifically in the Bronx, Bronx has consistently proved record of track of having the student with the lowest uh, rate in ELA, math, science, and we would like to know what you think about that. Approximately 60 years ago, we we saw the U.S. Supreme Court um, declare that segregation of our schools is unconstitutional, and the United States Supreme Court said it very clearly that separate but equal is never equal. Separate but equal is never equal, which means segregation, it doesn't matter if you give the same school, different schools, a similar amount of money. If you're separating people based on factors such as race, 
these schools will never be equal. That was 60 years ago, and we're still seeing that today. Uh, New York City has some of the most, some if not the most, racially segregated uh, schools in the entire country. And that is the problem. I think that is a big cause of the, the bad effects or the bad results, the bad outcomes that we're seeing. Um, so as council member, one of my biggest priorities is going to be racially and economically desegregating the New York City public school system. So I saw a video of you and other people celebrating in a, in a Caridad restaurant. It was in June 9, it was in June 25, and you said uh, every single child is going to get access to a very quality education that's going to help them achieve their dreams and become doctor, lawyer, and whatever they want. And my question is, what are some of the specific strategies that you have in mind to complete that goal? Yeah, it all starts with a lot of factors, but I think education is the biggest the biggest and the best key to making sure that people achieve, achieve their dreams. Many people, especially in the district that I represent, they come from many parts of the world. My parents came from the Dominican Republic, um, but we also have people from many other areas, including Mexico, from uh, Colombia, everywhere else. They come to this uh, city, to New York City, with many dreams, and they face many obstacles, including lack of good schools in their area. So uh, we have to completely transform public education and just education in general. We have to make sure that the schools are truly preparing kids for the future. Not only preparing them, but we need to give them the tools to be able to do so. Again, smaller class sizes, give our uh, young kids access to after-school programs and also internship programs so they could work every single day to, um, for a better future. We also would like to know what is your position on, Ni on NYCHA program? NYCHA has provided housing to, to our most, uh, some of our most vulnerable populations. Some of our poorest neighbors and residents have been able to get housing due to NYCHA, which provides affordable housing for low-income individuals. However, NYCHA is known as the worst landlord in the city of New York, and that is not acceptable. What we're hearing, the stories that we, even 2021, even today, we still hear these stories about the unconscionable conditions of NYCHA. That should not be how we treat our poorest New Yorkers, especially in a city as wealthy as the one that we have where we live in. The people of NYCHA deserve better. Um, it all starts with funding, but also it's more than just uh, funding. We need to create a system that will help NYCHA function properly. Uh, Marianne, do you have any questions? Yes, thank you. On the topic of tenants, my question is, I know you've been fighting for tenants for years as a lawyer. Now, more than ever, we need more help in, in our communities because of COVID. A lot of them are being evicted. A lot of people are being tossed out of their house and they don't have nobody really fighting for them. What is your best advice for those fighting right now against COVID and against uh, the landlords that's trying to use COVID to evict those, um, those tenants? Yeah, our city has to continue to protect vulnerable people. Uh, during COVID, we saw many neighborhoods affected. We saw the, the entire planet affected um, and the whole nation and our whole city. But the people that were mostly affected were low-income, vulnerable workers. And that's huge. 
people mostly from the Bronx, people that don't have access to luxury jobs, uh, jobs that will give you the option of working remotely and a lot of flexibility. So um, for that reason, we saw people from the Bronx infected with COVID at higher numbers. And also they were also in a much more vulnerable position given that in the Bronx we've suffered from a health crisis. Uh, Many people suffer from asthma and many other health conditions. Uh, so we have to make sure we're taking care of the vulnerable people that worked during a pandemic and kept our city running. Um, and, and we can do that. We could show that by making sure that we continue to keep the eviction moratorium for people that are affected by COVID, including people that lost their jobs due to COVID and people that are currently unemployed due to COVID. About education, I know you're a professor at a, at a Hostel Community College. When it comes to education, I know COVID has a lot of limits now um, about who can attend, who can attend due to the vaccine. Where do you see the future of schools and how do you feel as a professor? Do you feel like um, teaching remotely is going to work or what What are your thoughts on it? I've always said that nothing compares to in-person learning, not only for college students, but especially for young kids. Uh, when people, when kids are, let's say, five, six, seven years old, or even four and three years old, they're, um, let's say they're attending 3K, they are not only learning about how to read and write and, and, and math and just even speak when you're four and three years old, but also you're also learning um, how to communicate and how to work with people. You're, you're growing in so many ways. Um, and that requires in-person contact. Uh, when kids are at a very young age, they're at a very important developmental uh, phase in their life that requires in-person contact. So we definitely need in-person learning. Nothing compares to in-person learning, but we are in a pandemic. We should provide the flexibility. Um, we should have the re- remote option for for people that have been affected um, by the coronavirus pandemic. Yeah, but nothing compares to in-person learning. So they sh- we should be flexible though, again, given that we're in a pandemic. But we should be doing in-person learning if that's possible for for a population. I have one more question. Now, um, I know you were renovating the old library in Fordham. Uh, yep. Um, I would like to know, since there there is a mandate now that children from 5 to 12 have to get vaccinated, um, what happens if the parents refuse to get their child vaccinated? Can those who are not vaccinated, as in children, are they able to still enter the facility to receive help. Like, um, we do live in an impoverished community. Um, the last thing we need is to have them out in the street because they're not vaccinated. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough topic, um, given that the vaccination has proven to work. Um, it might not stop you from getting the virus, but it's definitely, it's been extremely, extremely, extremely effective when it comes to preventing individuals from getting very sick from the virus. We should be encouraging everybody to get vaccinated. Um, it works and it keeps everybody safe, including not only individuals, but their family and our general society. Um, now, some people have some concerns. If they have certain medical conditions that it, that would put them at risk of being worse off, maybe we could make an exception and require that they instead wear a face mask instead of a, instead of vaccination. Um, but we should absolutely be encouraging people to get vaccinated because we wouldn't want we wouldn't want to keep people away from these public premises. But at the same time, we don't want them to get sick. We don't want them to enter these premises that are, let's say. Um, packed with a lot of people and potentially, you know, 
Yeah. You got sick from the coronavirus. So it's a good. We we have to think about just drawing a a, a balance, and I think that's the top of that. Thank you so much, Oswald Felix, for taking your time to share your information, this important information with us. You've been listening to Meet Your New New York City Council, a special production of the Lehman College Journalism and Media Studies Department in conjunction with City Limits. This program was written and reported by journalism students of Lehman College. Special production assistance was provided by City Limits Online and Spanish language editor and reporter Daniel Parra. Engineering assistance was provided by the Bronx Journal engineer Yves Dussou. Special thanks to Professor Thomas O'Hanlon, chair of the Lehman Journalism Department, and Dr. James Mann, dean of the Lehman College School of Arts and Humanities. This program was produced and edited by me, I'm Jim Carney. For more information about the Journalism and Media Studies program, contact us at jms at lehman.cuny.edu. Until next time, thanks for listening.